my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think the next 40 days will probably be the 40 worst days of the pandemic. It's really bad at this point. I mean, hundreds of thousands of Americans getting infected every day, two to 3,000 people dying every day. If we had widespread testing available, this would make a huge difference, but we don't. And so we're still stuck. And you're going to see more hospitals basically say, we can't take care of anybody else. Not just we can't take care of COVID patients. We just can't take care of anybody else. It's going to be awful. And it's going to be a very challenging month, six weeks ahead. This week, we watched as the first Americans received the COVID vaccine. Heroic healthcare workers who have been on the front lines of this fight for months. It was emotional and extraordinary. And it is something we should be very excited about. But at the same time, we cannot forget that most of us will not be getting this vaccine for months. And we cannot lose sight of the crisis at hand because the spread of COVID has never been worse. For almost nine months now, I have been reporting on COVID, covering it every day. The stories of healthcare workers, families, business owners, teachers. I thought I understood the chaos of this moment, but a few weeks ago, I realized I didn't. I became one of the more than 16 million Americans who've contracted the virus. So did my family. And the experience of getting COVID made it even more clear to me that we have failed and continue to fail in some very key ways, namely testing and tracing. I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor, NBC News senior correspondent, and this is Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think and iHeartRadio. On this podcast, we're not going to waste your time. We're interested in getting straight to the point, and then we're going to leave you with some time to think. And today, we are looking at why the U.S. is failing the COVID test and how we can use the tools we have at our disposal right now to maybe get things under control. And I've got the perfect guest here to help us try and make sense of it. Dr. Ashish Jha. 
He's the Dean of Brown University School of Public Health, and he has been a crucial voice of science and reason throughout this pandemic. Dr. Shah, thank you for joining us. I want to start with COVID-19 tests. Can you explain to us what kind of tests are available in the United States, the pros, the cons? Because I'm going to tell you, when my husband woke up with a scratchy throat, not feeling that well, I foolishly thought, let's run out and get a test. There is no such thing as let's go out and get a test. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me on it. And this is a question that confuses people still nine, 10 months into this pandemic. Right now, if you want to think about a test to diagnose whether you have the virus or not, you have two choices, uh, an antigen test and a PCR test. Most of the tests we've used over the last nine months are these PCR tests. They're really good. Uh, They pick up almost anybody who's infected. They have to be run in a major lab, and they can be turned around in 24 hours, but sometimes they take a week to come back. Let's talk about that other kind of test, the antigen test. That's the rapid test? Yeah, that's the rapid test. Cheap, 10 to 15 bucks a test, as opposed to $150, $200 for that PCR test. You should be able to get a result in 15 minutes. So you're thinking, cheap and fast? What's wrong with this story? Um, It's a little less sensitive. So let me explain what that means. The PCR test will pick up somebody with the infection up to weeks after they've been infected. The antigen test is really a test for infectiousness. So if you are in that period of time where you're spreading the virus to lots of people, the antigen test will be positive. But there are other times, let's say later in the disease course, where you may not have a lot of virus, you're still infected, but the level of virus you have is very low because you're kind of on the tail end of your illness. The antigen test will then turn negative. It's just not going to be as good at picking those people up. Could there have been a scenario where people would have gotten antigen tests to their homes, and if they woke up saying, ah, maybe I was exposed, maybe I don't feel great, you could take a test immediately, and that would dictate whether or not you leave your house that day. Absolutely. And For that, the antigen test is really good. We've had this technology since May, and we should have had billions of these tests widely available so people could test themselves all the time. You wake up, you have a sore throat, you could go to a CVS, pick up a $10 test and test yourself. We just never made those investments. Remember how the disease spreads. Majority of people who are spreading the disease have no symptoms at all. If you could test yourself, what that would do is it would take people who are infected out of commission they wouldn't be spreading it to others. So there's very good data now that if we had those tests available, the level of infection in the community would go way down. But also, you could start implementing those tests in schools, in businesses, and that would make a big difference. And here's the big issue. We still don't have a plan. Tests can take a week just to come back, in which time, if you're out and about, you're spreading the virus if you have it. They tell you to isolate. But unless you have a place to isolate and a supportive job or family, Many, many people can't afford to follow the guidelines. When you think you may have exposure to COVID-19, do we in the United States of America actually have the choice to say, here are my nearby testing facilities. This is where I can get a PCR test. And the turnaround time is X. You could get results in a day, but many, many, many are five, six, seven days. Why would that be? Basically, there are two major lab testing companies, LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics. When they get backed up, everything gets delayed. Let's say you go to your doctor's office. You got a fever, you got a sore throat, you get a swab. It gets sent off to a lab. That lab sends it to some processing place. 
machines are starting to break down, workers are becoming in short supply, and your sample could sit for three days, four days. That's just the reality of where we are. Had we had an Operation Warp Speed for testing, where do you think we'd be right now? Oh, I think if we had an Operation Warp Speed for testing the way we did for vaccines, we would have widespread testing available. Uh, You could wake up in the morning and you could test yourself at home before you went to school, before you went to work. And if we had really made the kind of investments that we needed to, and these would not have cost us that much money. I believe all the schools would be open. Most businesses would be open. The level of infections in the community would be much, much lower. Our hospitals would not be overwhelmed and we'd have far fewer deaths. I'm thrilled that we did Operation Warp Speed for vaccines. I love it. I think it was exactly the right thing to do. But that didn't prevent us from doing an Operation Warp Speed for treatments, for testing, for protective equipment to protect our doctors and nurses. Like, there's no rule that says you only get to do one Operation Warp Speed. Like, we needed four different things. The government chose to do one and ignore the other three. And I have to tell you that I'm not convinced that if we hadn't done the vaccine, that the Trump administration would have then put more money on testing. So I am like glad they put investments in vaccines because if they hadn't, they would have put investments in nothing. Vaccines are great, but they are not the end all be all. They will not make the pandemic go away. They'll certainly end the horribleness. It'll take a long time, but the disease will not be gone forever and we will need to continue to deal with it. And testing will be a really important part of that. We'll be back after the break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. I want to talk about contact tracing. We had no known exposure in my family. And I contact traced myself. I 
called the people who we had seen. I called a big box store with my receipt. And I was like, so my husband was there at 4 p.m. That big box store I called had no interest in taking my call. There's no way they wrote any of it down. But it wasn't just me. I wasn't contacted by the state of New Jersey. And that's where we were. We talked so much about the importance of contact tracing. Thousands of people were hired. They were trained. They were to be the contact tracers. Are we even doing it? No. I mean, some states are doing a little bit, and a little bit is better than zero. But we never built up the contact tracing infrastructure, partly because it would cost money. Again, this is the place where like, our government, our federal government, our Congress, has just fallen down on the job. When you look at other countries and how they are doing testing and tracing, is there one that you can point to that you would say they're doing it right? The classic model that we all point to is South Korea. South Korea is unbelievable. Because they did such a good job with testing and tracing, they were able to open up nightclubs. Somebody with asymptomatic disease went to like six nightclubs in one evening. What an amazing evening, right? But unfortunately, like he infected like 80 people that one evening. Within five days, South Korea had tested like 40,000 people, not just everybody who was at one of those nightclubs, but all of their contacts and their contacts and contacts and isolated everybody and shut that outbreak down within five days. That's how you do it. And what that means is their economy has barely suffered. In other countries, it's not about following the guidelines. There are punitive consequences. You test positive, you are checking into a COVID hotel for 14 days, like it or not. There's no decisions to be made here. It's about goodwill, being honest, and decision-making. Do you think the majority of the American people actually know what the CDC guidelines are? I don't think that what we need is like harsh mandates on this stuff. What we need is support. But the point is, there are ways of allowing the right thing to be done by people, right? Because I think most people want to do the right thing. If you push them and say, well, you have a choice, do the right thing or put food on the table for your kids. Well, people can put food on the table for their kids. Don't force people into those choices. And the only way we could have done this is if we had an active government trying to help the American people do the right thing. We just didn't. To your point, we're not offering any incentive to those who can't afford to quarantine, who maybe have mild symptoms and are out there living their lives and going to work, or people who are simply defiant and choose not to. Why wouldn't we do that? I have to say that the failure of Congress to act after the first couple of actions it took the failure for it to act over the summer, the fall, even now, is baffling to me. It is the most phenomenal, penny-wise, pound-foolish thing I've ever seen. This pandemic has cost our country about $16 trillion with a capital T. And Congress is fighting about a couple hundred billion dollars, money that would go to the pockets of the American people and would help them through a difficult time. Like, this is such a no-brainer. Imagine if in World War II, Congress said, you know what? We're just not going to fund the war effort. Good luck, people. That would have been a disaster, right? It would have been a disaster. Now, thankfully, Congress did not do that. But essentially, after May, Congress said, we're just not going to fund the effort to fight COVID. Good luck, people. But we're going to spend the money, mountains more of it, for years to come. This is the result of federal government just completely throwing in the towel about two months ago 
and saying, we're just not even going to bother trying anymore. Then seeing that we've botched testing and tracing so badly, are you concerned that we're not going to get the implementation of or distribution of this vaccine right? The Biden team very much understands that effective distribution of the vaccine is the whole ball game for them in the short run for getting the economy going again. I think the Biden team is going to be putting a lot of very good people into making sure that the vaccine distribution continues to go well, that we get that last mile, we get vaccines into people's arms. So I guess I remain reasonably optimistic that a good team is coming and they understand the importance of getting this right. We've seen the president got the best possible medical care and experimental drugs that works. His close advisor, Rudy Giuliani, same thing. Do you think a lot of rich people are going to cut side deals and get the vaccine before anybody else? They're getting better treatment than everyone else. Because here's the thing. I had a frustrating process getting tested, but it wasn't crippling. And if I didn't have the privilege that I have, it would be way worse. So I can tell you, Testing is for the privileged. Will the vaccine be for the privileged? I think in the first pass, it's going to be very, very hard for people to cut in line. And I think that's going to be very tightly controlled. I am very worried about what happens after that because I'm already hearing stories of concierge practices who are trying to figure out how to get some for their business travelers, the finance guy who wants to start being able to fly to Hong Kong again and needs to be vaccinated look, it's fine, go to Hong Kong, but you you should not be able to cut in line on the vaccine. This is one of the big jobs that the Biden administration has, is to make sure that we don't do this. Because it will be, I mean, if you think about who has been so disproportionately affected in this pandemic, it's been the Black community, the Latino community, the Native American community. Uh, It's been poorer people. But I do think there is going to be a real effort to make sure we don't do that. I'm also a realist. I'm sure there'll be some cutting in line. Because that's just the reality. Somebody will figure out how to get stuff on the black market. But I am hopeful that most of it will be tightly enough controlled that the right people get it first. The reality is that COVID is not easy for anyone. But COVID is much easier to confront when you've got the benefit of privilege. Throughout the last nine months, I have counted my blessings nearly every day because I know that my secure home, my family unit, and the fact that I can work from home makes all the difference in what our new normal looks like. But when my family and I contracted the virus, I saw firsthand how far that privilege extends. The reality is many families and many individuals are put between a rock and a hard place. And many of our government leaders, both sides, have completely skirted their responsibility. And I want to leave you some time to think about this. We could have done better in basically every aspect of containing this virus, particularly when it comes to supporting American families. So as a vaccine rolls out and more sophisticated tests are developed, how can we make sure vulnerable Americans are not left behind again? And how can we change what has been a haphazard strategy into a recovery that serves us all? Next week, we are taking off. It is the holiday, but I want you to unplug. Please take a week to decompress. Give yourself a break. Have a beautiful holiday and be well. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie Rule, and you're listening to Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think, MSNBC, and iHeartRadio. This podcast is hosted by me, Stephanie Rule. Mike Biet and Katrina Norvell are executive producers. 
Meredith Bennett-Smith is senior editor for NBC Think and our editorial lead. The podcast is engineered and edited by Josh Fisher. Additional production support provided by Charles Herman, Rachel Rosenbaum, and Lauren Wynn. And special thanks to Catherine Kim, our global head of digital news, right here at NBC News and MSNBC. For more thought-provoking analysis, visit NBCNews.com slash think. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.